0: What's going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back again. Yes, we are. So before we get started, we wanted to take a second to talk about Studio Headphones. If
1: you go to studio.com, you can find all sorts of great goodies, such as headphones,
0: ear- earbuds, the whole shebang. Whole shebang-a-bang. So whatever you find, throw it in your cart, put in darkwindows15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Uh huh. Which is a pretty good deal. Yeah. So, go check them out. So, this week. What are we covering this week? This week, we are going to go back to some badass, which I know we usually do them in threes. This guy couldn't be contained to an episode with two other badasses. Because he's too much of a badass? <laughs> yeah. Today, so- we are going to talk about Matt L. Urban, the ghost. Okay. Okay. So, Matt Urban was born Matthew Louis Urbinowitz in Buffalo, New York, August 25th, 1919, to his father, Stanley, who was a Polish immigrant and a plumber, and his mother, Helen, who was born in Depew, New York. Son of a plumber, baby. Son (laughs) of a plumber. (laughs) Yes. Little did Stanley and Helen know that their bouncing baby boy would soon be tearing the Axis powers a new ass from North Africa to Sicily, France, Belgium, Germany, and everywhere in between. Aha.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. So nice. So he fought World War II. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm guessing. Just he, just a guess. He
0: fought all of World War II. Oh, he fought all. Oh. Where, where there was Japanese. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> where there Japanese. was
1: Japanese. Where there was <clears throat> Japanese fighting, he fought them. Even in Africa.
0: Where there was Germans and, and Italians that needed to die during World War II, you would find Matt Urban. He was there to kill all of them. Nice. <laughs> so he led a pretty normal childhood. He grew up in Buffalo with his three brothers, uh, Stanley, Arthur, and Eugene. Uh, Eugene actually passed away in 1927 from appendicitis. So he was fairly young when he died. Ah. Um, he attended East High School and graduated in 1937. In the fall of 1937, he applied to and attended one of the most prestigious Ivy League schools in the country. He went to Cornell. So, needless to say, he wasn't dumb by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, because at that time, you definitely had to be kind of smart to go there. Yeah. Or you had to have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, which, I mean...
1: Doesn't sound like son of he a had plumber, a lot of money. You probably,
0: you know, your parents probably didn't have a lot of money when he was growing up.
1: I mean, growing up in during the Depression, Yeah, so... I mean, even though the depression didn't really hit too hard in the Northeast. Yeah,
0: unless your name was Rockefeller, you didn't have a lot of money at that point in time. No, not –
1: yeah, no, no.
0: So while he was at Cornell, he was actually part of the ROTC, which for anybody that doesn't know what that is, that's the Reserve Officers Training Corps, which is kind of a jumpstart into the military. Yep. Um, mostly your... into, like, officer school for the most part.
1: Yeah, well, well it'll get you so that you can – like, if you happen to get in – like, or if you're already in, you can get your rank higher, so you can be like a sergeant or whatever. But then you'll basically be damn near close to a lieutenant. Yeah. Or you will be a lieutenant by the time you graduate.
0: Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you with that. No,
1: it's, it's, it's if I'm uh, if I'm correct, it's I believe. I mean, I'm not 100%. I know some people will correct me on it. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure my my brother, who will listen to it, will be like, yeah, no, that's that's what is. You're not an idiot, Kevin. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're like, you're a dumbass.
1: Why
0: don't you know this stuff? So not only was he in the ROTC, he was also a member of the boxing and track teams. Uh, he was also part of the Delta Kappa Rho fraternity. He graduated from Cornell with a Bachelor of, uh, bachelor of Arts degree on June fourteenth, nineteen 1941. His, when you could actually do something with that degree. <laughs> yeah. His diploma showed the name Maddie L. Urbinowitz. So up until now, his life had been pretty normal for the average man or young boy of the era, but now is where we come to find out how hard this guy was to kill. After graduating, he joined the Army in 1941 and was sent to Fort Bragg, North Carolina for basic training. Something I found really interesting with World War II boot camp was that 39% of the soldiers on the American side were volunteers, while 61%, including my grandfather and great-uncle, were drafted. Uh, the average age of these young men that were headed off to fight the Italians, Germans, and Japanese, was 26 years old.
1: Some were younger. Yeah, I know a guy that was. Uh, but that,
0: I'm just saying that was the average. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No,
1: some some were younger. Like I have my great uncle, uh, who died in um, Okinawa. He was like 21. Yeah. Um, my grandfather actually tried to join, but somehow they figured out that he wasn't of age. And then I don't know if you remember that uh, crazy old guy that used to come into uh, the mobile station where we used to work. Um, kind of had like uh, like long white hair. Uh, he had had a woman w- with him that I would have thought was maybe his daughter or something. I don't know if you ever w- worked with me. He always come in to be like, I'm like, hey, Shine, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, n- not bad. And he guess one day he told me that. Uh, he actually had joined um, the army at 14 Fucking a. <laughs> and fought because I guess he must have looked older than he was, so they just let him in. Yeah.
0: I mean, my, my grandfather tried to get in um, but was rejected because he had flat feet. Oh, and which, at that time, uh, yeah.
1: they, they rejected your flat feet. Not anymore. Um,
0: and, and to continue on here, the average age of an NCO or a non-commissioned officer during World War II was 29. So they were; these weren't old men going over there to fight a war. These were, no. you know,
1: these were young dudes. But a lot of, lot of them that went over, though, there was that calling that said, "Hey, I want to go over to,
0: I want to fight for my country and exactly. to defend
1: it, or at least not to defend it, but actually to um, make a difference and fight for against the Nazis to protect so that they won't come here." Yeah. But also to protect the people over there. Yep. And some were just like, you know, hey, you know, we've heard tales from our fathers, you know, and I wouldn't say grandfathers, but mostly fathers yeah. that they fought in World War One. you
0: know. The Germans are fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, take a second to let that sink in. I mean, think about what you were doing when you were, I mean. If you were ever 26 or if you're too young, you know, think about what you were doing at 26 years old and then what you were doing when you were 29. Same thing. You know, when I was 26, I was working at a fucking fried chicken restaurant. And when I was 29, I just got married. and I was working at (laughs) U-Haul.
1: I was working. You know, I was working at a gas station. I believe it was. Yeah. Or maybe I know I was working for my father doing fire extinguisher yeah. work
0: and these guys were headed across the ocean to fight one of arguably probably i'm not even arguably probably one of the best trained and most powerful foreign armies of all time the germans knew what they were doing
1: i will agree C- credit
0: due. they world war ii yeah yeah they were they knew what they were doing I mean
1: they had something i can't i can't i don't want to be like this but i guess they had something to prove yeah they did you know, they they were told after World War One, no, you can't have this. You can't have this. You can't have this. And they were like, you know what? Here's the middle finger. Yeah. We're going to do it anyway. But they also had a little bit of a nutsy guy that.
0: Yeah. I mean, all, all due respect to everybody that's in the military now, these were a different breed. Like these oh, dudes yeah. were going over there. They're They're in fucking jackets and aluminum helmets. With fucking th- like basically hunting rifle calibers get, being shot at with that, I mean, yeah, it's like they were fucking hard. Like these guys,
1: I mean, it was it was pretty uh, different than now. Yeah,
0: but much, that's, much different.
1: That, but if it wasn't for that, and well, do we do we say pretty much up to Vietnam as far as because they didn't really f- the the the, the, the Fighting didn't really change as far as like what they had on. No, until after I'm going to say Vietnam, because I believe after Vietnam is when they
0: they did have like flak vests in Vietnam, but it was so fucking hot that most of the guys didn't wear them. Yeah, but I mean flak vests were, weren't. Uh, they would they would stop some stuff, but I mean,
1: not like today. Where, no, God no. Where today they today have where You can all take a seven
0: six two in the chest and be like, okay, well I'm still not dead, so that's important. Yeah. So let's get let's get back to uh, to Matt. He came out of boot camp on May twenty second, nineteen forty one, as a second lieutenant, and entered active duty on July second, nineteen forty one. So basically,
1: he was didn't wouldn't, wouldn't have had respect because he was not a. Uh... He
0: came out as an officer. He came yeah. out of, Yeah. Well I mean no like, But it also depends it's true, it's on, It also depends okay. on if he was an asshole to people that he trained with because that, that that's where you earn your respect is if you're willing to do the same shit that these guys that are gonna be under true. your commander doing. So he was assigned to D Company, 2nd Battalion, 60th Infantry Division as a platoon leader. Something else I'd like to point out kind of quickly is how many US soldiers during World War II were the children of immigrants. Because uh, between the children of immigrants and full on immigrants themselves. They accounted for over 300,000 troops. Mm. So to put that into into perspective, that's the equivalent of 150 full regiments of either immigrants or the children of immigrants. Yeah. Which is right kind of around the population of our home state of Vermont. (laughs) That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. So Urban would see his first combat as part of the North Africa campaign. I don't know a whole bunch about the North Africa campaign other than what I remember from, like, old episodes of Rat Patrol with my grandmother. Um, (laughs) But uh, the North African campaign started June 10th, 1940, and continued until May 16th, 1943, and ranged from the Libyan and Egyptian deserts to Monaco, Algeria, Tunisia, and Ethiopia. So, literally, Northern Africa.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, it was uh, a lot of a tank battle, too. Yeah. Mostly. I mean, that's... What I really know much a lot about it is mostly just tank battles. This is mm-hmm. Rommel and Patton Rommel and Patton playing fucking chess at,
0: with yeah real humans in the you know out in the sand yeah yeah. So urban would be part of the invasion of North Africa during Operation Torch. Torch lasted from November 8th to November 16th and was designed to help take pressure off Allied forces in Northern Africa. This in turn would help would help with the invasion of. Um, like Southern Europe. Yeah. So the area was controlled by Nazis and Vichy French forces, which were um, the Vichy French were kind of like, they were basically the section of the French army that was like, yeah, we'll work with the Germans because we don't want to die. The American contingent that would invade the area around Casablanca was led by Dwight D Eisenhower urban and another soldier made a beach landing and a raft under heavy enemy fire on November 8th which was the first day of the invasion. Sergeant Earl G. Evans, a squadmate of Urban, said, quote, The Major, who was only a lieutenant at the time, was, was wounded in McNassie, Tunisia, and refused to be evacuated. He followed up this refusal by taking out a combat patrol. At another time in Tunisia, one, our, our battalion successfully halted a German counterattack, and it was through the Major's efforts that we succeeded. As our outfit was falling back, the Major held his ground and grabbed the closest German. He killed him with a trench knife, took the German's machine pistol and fired it into onrushing into the onrushing enemy. Wow. (laughs) He's a fucking bad dude. Yeah. And this is his like first week in combat.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, this is, of course, this is a point where they actually were training him because eventually they didn't really train him. They just kind of sent him, did him basics and that was it.
0: Yep. You got like
1: but this was the start three weeks
0: of basic and they're just like fucking here's your greens and here's a gun go get them
1: yeah now this at this point they had actually been training training them yeah but this is you know by doing that he they kinda, he guaranteed he gained the respect of
0: oh fuck yeah absolutely of all of his uh men he was wounded by a german grenade during the counterattack after he decided that he'd had enough killing nazis in north africa matt urban left for sicily on july 28 1943 The sources that I found said that he was on the USS Orizaba, but I'm not convinced that he didn't actually just swim there fighting sharks with his bare hands the whole time. Just fucking, why not? Maybe. So when he, (laughs) (laughs) the way this guy is, it's like he was probably just like fucking swimming and just like, oh, there's a, a torpedo boat. Just fucking punched it.
1: <laughs> He's got a knife between his teeth. Yeah. yeah. Come here, motherfucker. Stab Swimming in
0: his fucking silkies, just like, come on, bitch, I'm going to kill all of you. So when he and the rest of the 60th Infantry arrived in Sicily, the American forces started their amphibious assault on the island. Before Urban and his unit could get off the ship, they were attacked on the deck uh, while they were getting ready to de The One of the... Probably, in my opinion, one of the best designed airplanes of World War II came dropping down out of the sky, which was a Stuka dive bomber. It's approaching the ship after another German another German plane had come by and just fucking chewed up the deck with uh, with its guns. They killed one of the AA gunners. Yeah. Um, they killed the gunner and the spotter, actually. So Urban ran to where the, the spotter was down, grabbed his binoculars, grabbed another gunner. He's fucking glass in the sky, finds the Stuka, and just points, to, points it out and just, like, start, you know, trying to, like, get the guy to return fire. The gunner aims, blows the Stuka right out of the sky. I'd like to think that the gunner missed and Urban stare is actually what just killed the pilot. It just... <laughs> so what you're trying to say down is... Down into the water.
1: So really what you're trying to say is he's basically Chuck Norris.
0: He would make Chuck Norris look like a bitch.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Or he was the original Chuck Norris. No,
0: dude. He would make Chuck Norris look like a bitch. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Because, like I said, the, the the AA gunner didn't kill him. He just fucking stared at the plane, and the the pilot's head exploded and just right or into the water. The, the either that or he threw the, the fucking binoculars at him and knocked uh, it knocked it loose, and or the pilot <laughs> sensed the fear, sensed it
1: that he was going to die, and was like, "Oh shit, this guy's staring at me." Shot himself in the teeth. Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck (laughs) this.
0: So after the invasion of Sicily, the Germans found themselves held up in a pretty well fortified stronghold. The 1st Infantry Division were headed for the stronghold, but they got caught up in some pretty nasty terrain and got bogged down. The 60th and a contingent of the 4th Tabor of Gromers, who is a group of Moroccan Muslim soldiers that fought under the French Army of Africa, which I think is technically part of like the French Foreign Legion but I'm not yes. 100% sure. Yes. Um they were tasked with flanking the Germans by crossing the mountains in central Sicily.
1: I think they are the French Foreign Legion.
0: They could be. I like I said I'm not 100% sure.
1: Because I believe that the, I'm yeah, I won't say I'm 100% on this, but I do believe that during that time that was under um French control.
0: North Africa was, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was their territory. Yeah. So that's why the there's the French Foreign Legion there.
0: Mm-hmm. So Urban and his unit climbed the mountains on pack mules and flanked the German stronghold in the night and took the crowds by surprise. This force of men and mules pushed the Germans back from their hiding place to uh, it pushed them back to a place called Rendazzo. So if this fighting had been had taken place head on, it would have cost the lives of hundreds of American and French soldiers. Mm. Uh, The Germans had high ground. They had really rough terrain between them and where the Americans had been attacking from. And it it would have been an absolute fucking bloodbath. Sicily was liberated from Nazi control on August 20th of that year. Again, since there was still Nazis that needed to be killed urban and the 60th returned to England for some R and R and a resupply. They were headed next to Normandy. By the time the second battalion, 60th infantry landed on Utah beach It was June eleventh, nineteen forty four. So, mercifully for the Nazis, they had already been (laughs) defeated at the beach. (laughs) The Allied forces consisting of—I'm
1: sorry to cut you (laughs) out. So he—I'm just thinking about this. He would have fucking got a. He'd be like, like gun, pussy. Please, I got my
0: knife. No, he, he would have been the guy that just ripped a fucking thirty caliber off the front of a boat and was just, like, walking up the beach, like, smoking cigarettes and just shooting motherfuckers <laughs> from the hip. Hold on. I
1: I, I got this, boys. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. Yep.
0: We got them all. They're dead. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, lieutenant, lieutenant, there's another one over there. Hold on. He looks over. Just does a finger gun, <laughs> and the guy drops. <laughs> Wow, did you see that? He killed him with his finger. He wasn't even close. It was a long-range finger kill. He sniped him. Fingered him to death. Uh, ooh. Yikes. So the Allied forces consisting of Americans, Brits, and Canadians had already taken care of, obviously, the Germans that yeah. were holding the beach. On the 14th, Urban's company came under uh, under attack from a German position near Reynold. Uh F company came under heavy small arms fire. And they were also being shot at from by a tank. Urban saw a soldier laying on the ground near a bazooka that he had been carrying. He ran into the open, like wide open field, grabbed the bazooka, and the guy that had been carrying the extra ammo. Mm. He told the ammo carrier to follow him through the hedgerows to an area near where the tanks were coming up from.
1: Uh huh.
0: He got the bazooka loaded up, hefted it onto his shoulder, stepped out again into the wide fucking open, aimed and fired. Pops back into cover, had the guy load him up again, steps back out again. So he's already being fired out when he steps back out. By the time the smoke had cleared, there were two, count them, fucking two dead Panzers in the road. Oh. Honestly, the Panzer is probably the best tank that was ever built for World War II. Our stuff couldn't hold a candle to German tanks. No. Nah. Between the Panzers and the Tigers, the Germans had the best tanks on the planet, which is why ours now are still kind of modeled off of them.
1: But, I mean, ours did—the Sherman kind of did a good number.
0: It's because the Sherman was quick. Yeah. You could fucking shit and get with a Sherman and not have to worry about it too much. I mean, the, the
1: Panzer was a little bit—was faster than the Tiger. Right. I mean, then, but then, but then you get like something like the Koenigs Tiger, which, yeah. well, that was the granddaddy of all. Yeah, that and was the
0: the Tiger II, the King. Yeah, yeah, they were fucking badass.
1: That would lay waste to anything. Because, but it also had a a
0: thick shell. And I mean, think about it like this too. Think about even like the small arm stuff that the Germans carried, like the MG42, the MP40 stuff that a lot of our shit is now based on still. Mm-hmm. We should stop drooling over their equipment and just fuck the Nazis. First of all, they built really good guns. They did. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: But I mean, for this guy to, to, to put himself in a spot and of danger and take out two panzers
0: pretty much by himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean he, he had a loader with him.
1: But he was smart, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was a good leader. But you he... have to think
0: about it. He doesn't. He has. He doesn't have cover. He has concealment. He's behind a fucking shrub. Yeah. Where they could have just been like, oh, he's over there, and just. Pfft,
1: I mean, I can of, lawn I,
0: and taking him out. I can
1: think of another guy that did something like this several times. Who's that? Oh, this other guy that was in this you know, little group called the Band of Brothers.
0: You yeah. Know? Well, there's a few of them. <laughs> I mean. And then you got a guy who's doing some pretty crazy shit in, in, over in uh, Japan too. A couple of them there. Yeah. So with with the two tanks that had been tearing his guys up for the better part of an hour at this point, out of commission, the company could now move uh, could now move up and they knocked the Germans out of the area. Mm. Later that same day, while pushing towards, I'm going to butcher the name of this place, uh, Orglans. Urban was hit in the left leg with shrapnel from direct fire from a tank. He was dragged out of view and a medical and a, a medic tried to have him evacuated. He weren't having none of it. He kept directing his company from cover to cover as he was being carried away while sitting on the stretcher, not laying down, sitting up so he can still see what's going on and yell to his guys to go here, here, there. Yeah. Keep your fucking heads down again. This bad motherfucker returned to the line the next day. Where he was wounded in the left forearm, this time he would actually have to be evacuated to a field, hosp- uh, field hospital surgical tent, and uh, he had surgery to repair the damage to his arm and his leg. Uh huh. He hmm. was then sent to a carrier uh, near, like, headed back to England to recover. Well, in recovery on the carrier in July of 1944, he got his hands on a casual- uh, casualty report for his battalion. He found that they have been taking a lot of losses, especially in the areas with like the heavy consistency of hedgerows yeah. where you're literally fighting somebody that's two feet in front of you when you come around the corner and you're just like, oh, shit, and just fucking.
1: A lot of that was during the, um, what was it, the Holland Offensive?
0: Yeah. like in, The France had a lot of hedgerows, too.
1: But it was more more Holland and getting into, uh, getting into Germany. Yeah.
0: And a lot of this had to do with the fact that they were – running very very low on experienced combat officers yep that could direct guys where to go when to go there you know how to do things the correct way
1: because by this time most of them that like i had previously said a lot of them were just being given a gun yep a rifle and said here you go these
0: are just fucking regular kids you
1: know these are kids coming out of college that were being drafted or high school well a lot of them that are that are uh Lieutenants and office and, yeah. and higher, well, most of lieutenants. The they were just basically kids out of that are in college or just graduated college that are sit, drafted. Here you go, son. Here's this. Go lead these people, and the people that they're leading were like, yeah, no, you're gonna die. And some of them actually took bets. Yeah, on how long they're going to last. They did
0: fucking tontines, which are like super, super illegal, but basically like a like a Deadpool. Where you take a yeah. bets on who's gonna die next, you know? Yeah. So at this point in time, he was actually scheduled to go home. They were like, You're done, you're combat ineffective, you're gonna just get other people hurt if you go back out there.
1: Wait, wait, let me guess. Let me guess. He he said, Fuck you, I'm out of here.
0: Well, no, he <laughs> he came up with a plan because there were still bad guys that needed to die. He volunteered to train forty men near the hospital <laughs> who were going to who were who were just getting like Yes. Um, They were basically just getting, like, refresher training before Uh they went to Normandy to go in and reinforce the troops in France. I can see where this is coming, going. So what these 40 men did not realize is that they were being trained by a superhuman Nazi killing machine and he was going with them.
1: (laughs) No. Yes. Or they were going with him.
0: No, he was going with them. So when the carrier landed and he invaded Utah Beach for the second time on July 25th, the troops he trained went on to the field station for placement. Matt Urban decided to hitchhike his way across France to rejoin his guys near St. Lo. Oh. Imagine being the poor French bastard who's just kind of cruising along trying to get to work or whatever, (laughs) and all of a sudden this fucking monster of a man steps out in front of you, and he's just like... I'm not going to kill you, but I'm taking your car. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> when he finally got there, he limps up to his battalion using a stick that he had made into a cane and found them under really, really heavy enemy contact. Uh, they were being pinned down by uh, machine guns and anti-tank
1: uh-huh.
0: guns. So they, they had some pretty hefty ordnance coming their way. He ordered his men to get a move on so that they were not killed in their foxholes and like the side ditches and shit on the, on the roads. So as screwed up as he was physically, he helped another soldier pull an injured Sherman driver out of his tank before it exploded like some action movie bullshit. Urban then found another tank that was bogged down in an intense crossfire from the Germans. The main gun had been damaged to the point that it was completely inoperable. Like, it's slag at this point in time. Your main gun is useless. Yeah. So the tank platoon commander told him that the driver was still trapped in the unmoving tank.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well
0: talking to the, uh, while talking to the commander, he and his platoon sergeant were both cut down by machine gun uh, by machine gun fire while attempting to get the 50 caliber gun on it working. So your tank commander and his number 2 basically get mowed down in front of him while he's trying to talk to these guys. Urban then crawls through the grass and blood and mud along the side of the tank. And gets up underneath it. He gets into the tank and orders the driver to get that motherfucker going. It's like, just get it moving. I don't care what direction it's moving in, get it moving. He climbed on the 30 caliber gun on top. He opened up on the machine gun nest and the anti-tank gun took notice and started to fire at them. The Germans apparently didn't get the memo that Matt Urban actually emits a force field around him and whatever vehicle he's in. <laughs> For, I don't know how long, like, how long the area of effect lasts, or if it's just, it's there. (laughs) Yeah. You know. So, every round, the anti-tank gun fired, completely missed. He rotates his gun and starts firing back, which allowed 2nd Battalion to regroup and start an assault on both positions. Urban kept killing machine gun nests, which got 2nd Battalion close enough to take out the Germans in hand-to-hand combat and fighting with bayonets. This resulted in a bunch of Germans surrendering. So while all this is going on, Second Battalion Commander Max Wolf, which is a fucking great name by the way, so Second uh, Battalion Commander Max Wolf is watching all of this from a nearby hilltop with his with his binoculars, yep. um, doing Battalion Commander stuff, where you stay back and make sure your guys are being efficient and they're doing their jobs well, and you're not losing too many guys. He witnessed firsthand the supernatural amount of bravery and leadership that made Matt Urban what he was. And the next day, he actually wrote his recommendation for Urban for the Medal of Honor. So Urban had spearheaded a counterattack and fought off the enemy almost single-handedly enough to allow his men to fight back and live to fight another day. Matt Urban would be made an executive officer of the battalion shortly after.
1: Now, I don't know if anybody knows... I mean some might not know this what has to happen to get the medal of honor. Yeah. You so that commander that saw him do this had to be the one to report it in. Right. And cuz he wrote the report up because no you couldn't do it yourself. You couldn't write the report and then because someone else read it, you you received the uh the medal of honor. They have to witness it and write a report, then you can be recommended for, you know, the Medal of Honor.
0: So I think right here we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to have our sponsors jump in quick. We'll come back and we'll finish up with with Matt Urban. Sweet. The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel, there's something for everyone. The courses I'm personally looking forward to checking out are the 36-part series on the Vikings and the 24-part series, The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus for 14 days free. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000-plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. There's a lot of badassery going on. There was. World War II was well known for its badassery, I think.
1: Well, it's because it's the greatest generation. Yeah. You know?
0: All right. So. We're back. What did you find while while we're on our little break here? You found something with Operation Market Garden that you had mentioned before. Yeah.
1: I I was asking when it was, and it was actually not until September. uh, Between September 17th and 14th, or something like close to that, September 19th and 25th was Market Garden. So I, I I thought that it was during that time. Yeah. But so no, this is just this before is, that, uh, though. Yeah. This this is the getting close to that push of coming out of um out of there into you know into Holland yeah. and around because they kind of they could have gone the other way. I mean, maybe they were coming the other way because maybe they were going towards like uh, the bulge and around, which goes into um. I uh, can't think of the name of. Uh, There's the area between. Oslans.
0: Yeah, Alsace, Alsace Lorraine, kind of yeah. that area, yeah. So Staff Sergeant Evans, who was assigned to the 2nd Battalion Command Post on July 25th, 1944, was the person that actually wrote up Urban's recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolf dictated he wrote it. On July 5th, Evans wrote the Pentagon about Urban's actions. After Evans was released from a German prisoner of war camp, saying in part, quote, Urban moved forward and damned if the U.S. Army did not follow. He bellied up to a tank and amid heavy gunfire, scrambled aboard and manned the machine gun. The driver took heart with Urban aboard. The tank roared forward and and Urban tore the hillside apart with that gun. The men, once again, with, quote, urbanitis, scrambled up to the rise and gained the objective. Jesus Christ. Urbanitis, by the way, sounds like uh, gum disease, but (laughs) who knows? (laughs) On August 2nd, Urban was again wounded with shrapnel, this time in the chest. Uh, The fragment entered his chest, barely missed his heart. I kind of like to think that the pieces of metal that went in there realized how close they were to his heart and were just like, "Mm," and backed away. They got scared? Yeah, they were like, they were just scared of their surroundings and (laughs) like, we got to get away from here because if not, we're just going to make him mad. So when the medics got to him and tried to evacuate him again, he again refused. On August 6th, just over a month after uh, recommending him for the Medal of Honor, Wolf was killed in action near Cherbourg. Uh, Matt Urban, who at this point is 24 years old. Think about that for a second. (laughs) Some people are still in college when they're 24 He's been killing Nazis for the better part of five years at this point.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, you're in college if you're going to your master's or whatever.
0: So at the age of 24 years old, he was put in overall command of 2nd Battalion. Not two weeks after taking command, he was wounded again with shrapnel, which was this was on August 15th. And uh, again, refused to leave his unit. It's got to go to it's got to show something about
1: yeah his character about
0: this exactly this guy's character is fucking outstanding the 60th infantry was awarded the french croix de Guerre, which is a bravery award of the french military for the first uh for the time period of june 11th through 18th in 1944 on september 2nd second battalion 60th infantry rolled into Phil- uh, philippeville belgium where Urban met with a brigadier general who informed him that 2nd Battalion would be attacking the town the next day. Urban grabbed a couple of guys and they went scouting the town and they counted a nearly regiment sized group. A regiment is anywhere between a thousand and fifty five hundred men. Yeah, there's that's a lot of dudes. Yeah, so not only were there a bunch of Germans in there, there's machine gun nests, tanks, and another goddamn anti aircraft gun, which this time is not aimed up, it's aimed. Right down the main road, dirty bastards. Yeah, because <clears throat> I mean, you think you roll in there with a tank and you eat a bunch of fucking AA rounds? It's not you're you're done. That thing's not gonna last. No, because those were like, what the, like what? Probably like a seventy cal, like a seventy millimeter something like that anti aircraft gun.
1: Something like that, probably it's a huge
0: fucking round. I mean, that's like shooting your wrist at somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to. I mean, you have to shoot a big round. Yeah. To.
0: So they returned to HQ and report their findings to command and command told them that they were still attacking in the morning urban and the rest of his hard chargers stormed the town of Philippeville while charging headlong into an enemy machine gun emplacement with a grenade in each hand. Matt urban was shot through the throat shot in the goddamn throat. Uh, Think about that for a second. Yeah, that's it's death. In the fucking throat. That's death. Two men got to Urban's side at the same time. They plugged the entry and exit wounds in his neck and dragged him 100 yards to cover. Shortly after getting him uh, out of the line of fire, they called for a medic. The medic arrived, and as soon as he got there, he waved over 2nd Battalion Chaplain. The medic gave him plasma to try to replace the blood that was pumping from his body and and performed an emergency tracheotomy on him to keep him breathing. At this point in time, it was unknown that his larynx would be permanently damaged. The medic told the chaplain, you need to give him last rites. The medic also didn't get the the memo that Matt Urban is not human. (laughs) So he was carried off the battlefield on September 4th on a Jeep and back to a field hospital where he would remain for a few weeks. October 2nd, he was promoted to major while still in the field hospital. Urban was shipped back to a field hospital where he would fight for his life for the next few weeks until he was brought back to England to recover. While in the hospital in England, he would be promoted to major and receive his Belgian unit citation for meritorious service. While getting a pass to Scotland in December, he returned instead to 2nd Battalion 60th Infantry, which was at Camp Elshorn, Germany. Urban was well welcomed by his men, who thought he'd actually died when yep. he got shot. Although Urban could not speak, he requested a combat assignment in writing. <laughs> he request his his request was denied for medical concerns uh, by the 60th Infantry Regiment commander at uh, who was at El- Ellsborne as well. He was, but he was allowed to stay with Second Battalion until the battalion pulled out of Elsborn and returned to England. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know what? You know
1: what makes can make it so he can never fight again. He Somebody, be- Somebody's going. What? What? Shoot that some bitch in the neck. This motherfucker better be dead, or else he's gonna fight. They're lucky that it was <laughs> that it like got him really good in the neck, because if it had just been a graze, they have been fucked.
0: No, they're lucky that he didn't have the pins pulled on those grenades that he had one of each in each hand. Because if he'd gone down, he'd have been like, fuck all of you.
1: Yes, but I'm saying if they had if they just They would have both gone off and he would have
0: just gotten up and been like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> Flesh wound. Let's go. <laughs> so beginning in October 1945, he was a staff writer and later an editor for Liberty Magazine's uh, Veterans View Bulletin, uh, which he worked there until 1947. He was medically retired from the U.S. Army in February of 1946. During that period, he was promoted to lieutenant colonel. He has moved his way right up the food chain. Wow. So after his life in the army came to an end, he continued to be a badass, but in a very different way. In 1949, he became the recreational, uh, the recreation director in Port Huron, Michigan. Starting in 1956, he took a job as director of the Monroe, Michigan Community Center, which he did until 1972. After leaving that job, he continued to serve the community, uh, serve the community center as co- as a coach for basketball, baseball, foot and the football programs. So he was staying active with everything he did. At Monroe, he also trained several young men who became national gold gloves boxing champions. He was appointed chair of the Michigan Olympic Boxing Committee. <laughs> Later, as part of the Chicago Olympic Committee. He was one of three trainers who accompanied Muhammad fucking Ali at the time, who was still known as Cassius Clay to the San Francisco Olympic tryouts. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So after Monroe, he became the director of the Recreations Department for Holland, Michigan in 1970 from 1972 to 1989. He organized a camp for underprivileged children and became its director. Uh, he served as the boys club director and a club scout, I'm sorry, a cub scout, Cubmaster. He was also involved in other activities and organizations like the Red Cross, the Amateur Softball Association, uh, Boy Scouts as a chairman, uh, as a chairman board member and a committee member for the Boy Scouts. He was inducted into the Hall of Honor at the Softball Hall of Fame that year. So he, he stayed busy. When he got out.
1: But, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's busy into his old age. Yeah. In
0: 1979, a uh, Michigan disabled American veterans uh, regional service representative who had come to know Urban uh, personally over a long period of time sent an official Medal of Honor recommendation inquiry to the United States Army headquarters the misplaced medal of honor recommendation for urban was found and revealed that major max Wolf urban's battalion commander in France, in France, in France, in France, <laughs> in France. <laughs> uh, had initiated a medal of honor recommendation for, uh, for urban, which was forwarded by staff Sergeant Earl Evans, just prior to Wolf being killed in action on August 6, 1944. Mm-hmm. The U S army then completed the necessary recommendation process for to award Urban the Medal of Honor in 1980, by the direction of the president, the Department of the of the Army awarded Matt Urban the Medal of Honor in the name of in the name of the Congress. I'm not sure why it's worded like that, but I I, I went word for word for that part of it. But yeah, on July 10th, 1980,
1: because, because I think it's only Congress that yeah, can award I, it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like Congress has to be a, like you have to go through Congress to be able to give it to somebody. I think. Oh, I mean I, – no, I don't – I think it has to no, be like – because I, I think the president can award it. I think it has to be approved, it. though. I think it has to be approved by Congress.
1: I'm not 100%. I don't, I, I just think that – I think the president can award a Medal of – presidents award Medal of Honors. Right. Because they're the commander-in-chief.
0: Do they award it or do they present it? They award it. Okay. On July 10th, 1980, Urban was notified – Or presented to. Yeah, because yeah, they – they, Yeah. Anyway, on July 10th, 1980, Urban was notified by the White House that he was a Medal of Honor recipient. And the next day, he was notified that the Medal of Honor ceremony would be July 19th. On July 18th, Urban was presented the Legion of Merit Bronze Star Medal with V device, which is a second oak leaf cluster. hmm. And his seventh purple heart <laughs> and his sixth oak leaf cluster. Uh. And this was all um, presented to him by Army Chief of Staff Edward Meyer uh, during a ceremony at the Pentagon. At a ceremony at the French Embassy, he was also presented the Croix de Guerre with Bronze Star by Francois LeBrove de Laboyer, the French ambassador to the United States. So this dude is like fucking got to be getting a little top heavy with all these medals and shit that he's gotten over the last couple of days. Yeah. The citation for the medal, which was not personally awarded to Urban before this occasion, was signed uh, by General Charles de Gaulle on 19, in July, I'm sorry, in June of 1944. On July 19th, President Jimmy Carter presented Urban with the Medal of Honor in front of several hundred guests, which included fellow 9th Infantry Division veterans uh, who served with, uh, with Urban in combat. His citation reads, "Oh boy." bunch of fucking military lingo here we go (laughs) rank and organization lieutenant colonel 2nd battalion 60th infantry regiment 9th infantry division place and date renault france 14 july to 3 september 1944 entered service at fort bragg north north carolina 2nd july 1941 date and place of birth 25th august 1919 buffalo new york so with all that being said, on March 4th, 1995, Matt Urban died in his sleep at his home. I'm convinced that he had to die in his sleep because that's the only chance that death stood to actually strike was when he was sleeping. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, death's
1: too afraid to see him while he's awake. He's wouldn't, like, wouldn't, oh, wouldn't,
0: motherfucker. It's like, fucking wouldn't you be?
1: <laughs> Probably death was shaking in his boots. <laughs> Some bitch is going to kill me. The
0: thing is, like, he seems like he was a nice dude when he wasn't killing bad guys. You know, like don't be a bad guy He's working with kids. He's, you know, doing all this other stuff with like sports programs and stuff. Just don't be a Nazi and he won't fucking kill you (laughs) or any or any type of bad guy, you know. So his death was reported to be from a collapsed lung uh, caused by one of like any of his many injuries that he received during World War Two. If you would like to visit him, he's buried in. Plot Section 7A, Grave 40 at Arlington National Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia. Uh So that was Matt Urban. And that's why he had to be his own episode. (laughs) Because this dude was too fucking badass to die. Seven goddamn Purple Hearts, dude. So he died at
1: 76.
0: Yeah. But still, seven Purple Hearts. I thought they sent you home after three. Oh, wait, they couldn't send him fucking home because he refused. (laughs) I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, you can't can't send someone home that doesn't want to get sent home. But a lot of people during that time. They didn't want to go home. Didn't want to go home. Didn't want to stay in in, uh, the hospital. Mm You know, look at. I mean, like. I guess – I don't know if it's totally true, but from some stuff I read, like people um, like Garnier from the Banner Brothers and all the toy and all that, they really did get a, get out of jail. Yeah. Or, I know, not jail, but out of the hospital, ran away. Yep. I mean a lot of others did that too.
0: Yeah. There was a lot of guys back then that were like, I'm not staying here. My guys are getting fucking killed. I want to go help.
1: Yeah, because you gain that – that brotherhood yep. that says, hey, I can't stay here. I got to go. And I can't, you know, let them die without me being there and dying right beside exactly." Him. But, you know, in his case, well, Whew. A, he wasn't going to die.
0: No. <laughs> no.
1: It took, a, it took a collapsed lung to kill him.
0: <laughs> if that's even what it was. I mean, I'm not convinced that, you know, <laughs> he didn't just like... <laughs> I don't even know what to, what, how to, like... Maybe think, like. it was him... See, it took himself to off himself. <laughs> he was just laying there, and he's like, you know what? I've done enough. Goodbye. It just fucking powers <laughs> down. But, uh,
1: I, I shall power down now. Yeah. Goodbye. No, Goodbye, world.
0: Total fucking badass. Like, I found this guy, and I was, like, looking at it a little bit, and I was like, oh, we got to talk about him, because holy he, shit. He
1: probably wrote a note that says... You must defend yourselves now. I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck it. It's just, I mean, yeah. cannot be captured. We'll reset to factory default. <laughs> 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 if captured, we'll explode. Yeah, dude. But yeah, I, I like I said, I, I know we wanted to do another like uh team effort badass episode. I couldn't, I couldn't with him. He no. had to, he had to be his own. Yeah.
1: There's just so many, there's just certain people that you, you can't, you know.
0: But in all fairness, everybody else we've done a badass episode about where we had the three of them could have all been their own episodes. But I found too much information that I was like, I can't, I got to do this in one shot. I got to give him the full hour, or whatever that we're going to do. on Full attention. Because, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. This guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it's it's crazy. I mean it, there's other people out there that we could do a full episode on that
0: But like I don't know if it, if it's is it something with Buffalo, New York though where they create Badasses and then psychotic football fans that'll power bomb themselves through folding tables off of fucking trucks. <laughs> you ever seen the videos uh, on Facebook where like these guys get shit housed at a fucking uh, like tailgate and they got those big Rubbermaid tables and they'll dive off of the back of somebody's truck headfirst through it, bounce and land on the ground and get up like, oh! fucking crack beers and shit. And you're just like, okay,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: Either that or it's because of the cold. It's probably cold. it. Could be because we got a lot of fucking psychos here too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's it gets really cold there because great lights. You That's know. true.
0: We have a not so great lake, but
1: it's not great. It's close. It's
0: it, it, it's an above average lake. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not great, but it's above average.
1: Yeah, I, this is. I was awesome. I mean, <laughs> damn. Just uh think it, you know, you start off, you know, you get yourself hurt, injured, but. You show your, you know, your fortitude to stay in. And just to think that what he did, I guarantee made it so that everybody that was in his unit wanted to stay in and fight just as much as he did. Absolutely. Because they saw that their commander, that their, their, or may not even commander, just the lieutenant in their... Their, their leader. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, their lieutenant and their unit, you know, wanted to stay there and fight.
0: I, I think what it is, is when you see somebody who is willing to fight to the death to protect you, you start to feel the same way about them. We're just like, no, no, I am I will fucking die to protect every last one of you. Exactly. And that's what, how he was. And that kind of inspires something in, in your guys to go, well, we'll do the same fucking thing for you. Yeah. We'll do the same thing for each other. And I that's... Mean, that's it's fucking special. Yeah. I mean, you don't see that with everything, you know.
1: No, you don't see that. I mean, it took special people like him, you know, to 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 make this the, to make people inspired and want to do stuff like that. It took people like Dick Winners, yeah, you know, to do what he did. I, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie Band of Brothers, go see it. Watch it. Watch it. Yes, there are some things that they Hollywoodized,
0: but honestly, the best part to watch would be the behind the scenes thing where they interview the actual guys I fucking challenge you to watch that and then not cry parts of it because I've seen it a thousand times and I still tear up watching it yeah you know because
1: you'll get a real sense of what those people went through yep exactly or I mean or just go talk with someone that was in you know in one of these battles like in Korea or something because Korea is close enough so where that you you can kind of get the sense of it
0: i'll say this if you know a world war ii veteran talk to them right now While well, you still can because we are losing them very quickly yeah left so and right if you know someone who served in world war ii stop this right now and go talk to them mm-hmm. I, I mean I, that's the best thing you can do
1: i mean you might you be know? able to talk to someone you know that you know get an idea that someone that's in the military now that has been in iraq or afghanistan uh They'll probably tell you it wasn't the
0: same, you know. I mean. Well, it's a different kind of war, too. Yeah. I mean, now you're fighting. Like, back then you were fighting guys who, if they took you prisoner, they weren't necessarily always going to kill you. Now, if you get taken prisoner. They're probably going to kill you're you. You're going to be on fucking YouTube with your head missing within the, a fucking month. Yeah. You know. Um Different warfare. Yeah, it was a different. <sighs> I don't want to I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it's World War II was fought with honor on both sides. They they had a mutual respect for each other because these, at least once what's yeah, yeah. At, at least in Europe. Yeah, because the Japanese were fucking ruthless. <laughs> like the Japanese were fucking terrible to, to everybody, including their own people, Um but, but
1: they didn't really. I mean, they still took you prisoner and you know, they did whatever. And, and
0: if you were the tallest guy, they were going to fucking cut your head off, though, because they did that on a regular basis. Yeah. But, but. the U- the United States and German forces almost had um, they had respect. They had a, like a respect for each other where they could find some kind of common ground. Yeah. Where if you know, like you get captured by some fucking 19 year old kid and you're a kid yourself, you can sit there and talk about, I don't know cars and girls and fucking all this other shit like Mm -hmm. hunting it's like again band of brothers the last the very last episode where they have the german and one of the american guys guarding a road and they're just talking about like what they did when they were growing up you know like oh i used to go fishing all the time and it's crazy but and it was was like as soon as the war ended these dudes could go like hang out with each other and have a beer be like yeah whatever no big deal yeah (laughs) you're not gonna you're not gonna have that now I, no. It's asymmetric warfare is a fucking a hell of a thing to to see happen, where you got you know ambushes constantly and people fucking coming out of caves and shit, firing and then disappearing and coming out somewhere else like a giant thing of gopher holes pretty much.
1: They don't fight as my my dad would say. They don't they don't fight with honor. They don't fight fair. They you know dirty dirty pool. Yeah, basically you know and and it's a yeah, they had you know they had it just as bad. You know, the World War Two guys had it pretty damn bad. I mean, some of them, as you know, staying and watching that show. Yeah, not only were they suffering from what they referred to back then was shell shock. Yep, but battle now, fatigue. Now it's now it is PTSD. Yeah.
0: It's same thing, um, different fucking tag.
1: Yep, <laughs> same but thing, different label. They were also had like there was this one guy, older gentleman that was in telling a story about uh was it? Uh, the battle of bulge in bastone where till that up to that point still he remembers that and he remembers how cold it was. Yeah. And still to this day even, like out of nowhere if it's really really cold, he will just
0: he has nightmares. Be- yeah,
1: become really, yep. really cold, and you know they can't warm off, and it's it's just, it's just bad. Yep. You know, and I mean that's that's kind of crazy.
0: Well, I, I like to think that German com- that you know German commanders during World War II were having fucking Matt Urban nightmares. <laughs> They're just like laying there in bed, like, no, kill all my guys, no, not my tanks, no, oh my god, son of a bitch. <sighs> holy shit he's outside the door isn't he he's like checking his pulse like fucking grabbing for his Luger and shit that son of a bitch is here I, I mean the like the first the first week where he's in, in North Africa where he fucking just grabbed that dude and just gutted the motherfucker grabbed his, his uh, machine pistol and was like surprise it's like come the fuck on this guy's crazy but it's okay that he's crazy because he was our crazy yeah <laughs> you know I, I don't want to say that I want to cover it. I would almost wonder if you could find a German dude that was like that. That was just like a fucking superhuman killing machine during World War II. Because you never see anything from that side of it. The only guys you really know anything about are like the really, really bad eggs. Like fucking Heinrich Himmler and Joseph Goebbels and all those guys. Like the really Joseph bad dudes.
1: Stalin and-,
0: and then you know, then you read about stuff like, um, like with Rommel who... Was like, yes, I'm in for the war because I am a military man. I have been my entire life. And Mm -hmm. then when he found out what was really going on behind the scenes, was like, fuck this. I'm done. Well, I mean, he fucking shot himself because he's like, I'm not dealing. I'm not going to be involved with any of that shit.
1: Yeah, just. I mean, he was
0: here for. He was kind of like Robert E. Lee. He wasn't there for the idea. He was there because his job was to command men.
1: Well, like, uh, was it the. Um, Tom Cruise. He played the. I can't think of the, oh, uh, the guy. Uh, the, the guy that was actually uh, like they tried to take out Hitler. I can't think of uh, what it was. Strassenberg, Strassenberg, yeah. something like that. Yeah, the, he, they. He was. You know, he was in the military. Yeah, and then realized that holy shit, this guy's a nutbag.
0: Yeah, he's doing yeah. awful, awful shit. Like we were just here to like fight a war. And he's trying to decimate billions of people behind the scenes yeah, because he's fucking crazy.
1: And that's what th- – that feeling of that them knowing that was – I guarantee just from some of the accounts was what the people after that, that learned about all this stuff because some people didn't know about any of yeah. that learned that – the guy that they elected as their com- that their uh, that their chancellor or whatever you want yeah. to call them, their leader was really a nutbag and was killing people by the thousands yeah putting them into camps killing them just because of you know that they were different yeah. or or killing you know just whatever and just craziness
0: yeah um we seem to stick to World War II a lot, though, but I've got another one that I want to start working on when just talking about fucking Nazi killing machines. Jesus Christ, I can't wait to do this one. Like, I haven't started on it yet, but it's on the list where it's like, we need to talk about these dudes. Um, have you ever heard of the Bielski brothers? Mm. They were uh, Polish Jews. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, defiance. Yes. The story is so much fucking crazier than the movie, though. Yeah. Because they were, like, breaking dudes out of prison, and they were fucking awesome. You know? And that's saying something for the Polish. (laughs) No, I'm kidding.
1: You're trying to say they should have been in reverse? They should have been breaking them in? (laughs) Hey, you guys... I'm going to
0: come in, too. (laughs) No. I'm kidding. Polish people are fine. I don't have a problem with them. He's really not. You know who I don't like? is French-Canadians, though. (laughs) Ah... I'm allowed to impart. So, but anyway, <laughs> 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 with that being said, I think that's all we got. Um,
1: yeah, that's a great, so I, great episode. If I liked you
0: want to listen to this in the best quality that you can, go over to studio.com, get yourself a pair of headphones, get yourself a pair of earbuds, get yourself a pair of headphones and earbuds.
1: Yes. Put and them- then put them in the checkout code. Yeah, the code. Checkout code. Put them in the checkout code. Put
0: them in the basket. <laughs>
1: them in that basket thing there you know then put it then put the checkout code of dark windows 15 in to get 15 off your entire order yeah um, i just did it like i said took for my mom for christmas and she likes the headphones she's wearing them and i believe it knocked it down the price of the regents because they're they're
0: 99
1: yeah something like that knocked them down to like 80 something yeah. I mean, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. And they're like, I'm not saying this because they sponsored the show. They're literally the most comfortable headphones I've ever
1: owned. They are comfortable.
0: I have fallen asleep probably a fucking bushel full of times with these on, working on stuff up in the studio. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, check us out. You can join the Facebook page. We're back. Finally, yep. Uh, Dark Windows Podcast on Facebook, uh, Dark Windows Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are not as active there as we should be.
1: If you want to email us, you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Yeah. And send, tell us, you know, how awesome we are or not how awesome we are. Um, and or send us suggestions. Yeah. <clears throat> we like suggestions too.
0: Anybody in the Northeast, uh, we might be doing something pretty cool in September so keep your calendars open. We'll, we'll let you know, like officially once everything's squared away, but we might be doing something pretty fucking neat here, uh, tail end of September. So, uh, I guess until then, well, not until then, but until next week, because we're coming back before September. We ain't taking another fucking break. Fuck that. Until shit. September. Yeah, no. <laughs> so just because you, <laughs> fuck, I've talked too much. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Later. Goodbye.